This is the second time that I've been at the Carmen building. So I think we must have brought a college group here a few years ago. We won't say how long, right? Thank you for being here. And I trust that our conversation together over the next 25 minutes will be beneficial for all of us, myself included, and that God will be honored, not just by the presentation and our thinking processes, but even in terms of carrying out self-control in our lives. I'm very blessed to have Alicia, my wife, here. We're going to soon celebrate number 31, so she shows great self-control. We have twins that are 27, soon to be 28. They're both married, working in Regina. And then we have Logan. Logan's 15. He is right now with Carissa in Guatemala, and I'm sure they're having a wonderful time. He's not with Carissa. He's with in the same group as Carissa. Yeah, OK. Better clarify some things. We came back to Canada two years ago this month. And one of the things that you benefit in having been overseas or away from Canada for a number of years, coming back is you get to see things from a little different perspective than the people that are just kind of inhabiting this fine piece of land, right, on a regular basis. So there's some things that I saw that have caused me to think, you know, I probably could have used this lesson two years ago, Randy. Where were you? Okay. Alicia and I, coming back, knew that we had to have some kind of employment. So we decided we're going to check out being substitute teachers. So that's what we do now. Last year, the school year, I put in 165 days substituting. Mm-hmm had some interesting experiences. Um, my most challenging experience was a grade one class. <laughs> I never believed the grade ones would actually get in little fights, throwing things, while the teacher was in the classroom with an assistant. And one of the little guys that was sitting in his chair, quite well, was actually dumped out of his chair by one of the girls that was in the class. This was grade one. I still remember the class of the grade seven eights. I know, won't tell you the teacher's name, but I remember her name too. She wasn't there, but she left me some good notes. But I still remember Brock and Sydney because they get snack brought into the class about an hour into, this, into the morning. And these children, <clears throat> wonderful children, they got into a food fight inside the classroom. Teacher present. I needed some self-control, right? Another school. When I walked into the class, about a third of the class was boys. The other two-thirds were young ladies, obviously. And one-third of the class, that being half of the girls, they entered into the additional classroom. And so right there, next to my classroom, there's about seven or eight girls hiding out in this other room that they've locked both doors, both from the inner classroom and the outer classroom. So if I go to the door, even if they thought I was going to come in, they just run out the other door. Oh, self-control. 
I need some self-control. So basically what happened was that group of girls stayed in that little room, didn't engage me at all. The other group, one-third of the girls, one-third of the class, half the girls, they didn't engage the teacher at all. They all just kind of looked away, did their thing. I was grateful for the guys, right? We had a bit of a lesson, okay? Needed some self-control. So culturally, in our communities, we need some self-control, some discipline. We need some self-control at our church. Oh, you wouldn't believe the noise on Sunday morning. And the real problem are the parents of all those kids. They need some self-control at home because they're having too many children. <laughs> there are about 60 of those little munchkins now. So many, so many that we don't have enough space probably for all the children's classes anymore. Oh, need some self-control. But I do need some self-control. Um, I had a child about two, three months ago. wasn't from my class. I, oh, I didn't tell you. I'm now a grade seven teacher, full-time contract. Started at 60 years of age, okay? How's that for a new career, right? Anyway, I was walking down the hall, went to the copy machine, and this child from another class comes up, and he's kind of hemming and hawing, and you know, I'm thinking, okay, this little boy's about eight, nine years old, haven't interacted with him, and then he finally says, Mr. Krogsgaard, is it true you're 80? <laughs> oh, I need some self-control. In my class, I have a child who, because of physical ailments, functions at a grade one to two level. I have another child who has cerebral palsy. She functions a little more, a little higher level than the others. These are grade sevens. Then I go to another boy, and he's functioning at probably about a grade three, four level. I have two international Korean students. I have three more students who are on the verge of being on special program. And in my class, we have a multiple group of people from different cultures, Congo, from Korea, from Ethiopia, lots of different varieties. There's some brokenness in our world. There's some brokenness because for various reasons, there's hasn't been a lot of self-control in terms of what some people have done with their lives and what some people have done to other people's lives. Let's stop here and let's pray. Father, there's a topic this morning that I want to thank you for the opportunity of reflecting upon. Help us as we spend the next few minutes talking about it to think about our need, Father, for more self-control in our personal lives, in our relationships within our families, in our community, and in our churches. Self-control, Father, that will honor you. Self-control, Father, that will allow us to have that full life, that abundant life that Jesus promised. Father, give us wisdom. Help us to understand. And help us to make good application into our lives in Jesus' name.
So, I just kind of gave you some of the dynamics of my class. Well, March was an exciting month. Um, in our school, with the high school, the junior boys, the junior girls, the senior girls, and the senior boys, even though we're only about a 1A school, we play at 3A, they all were in the city finals for their competitions. It's pretty good for a little school, about 150, 180 high school students, right? So excitement. On the Monday, we went to watch the junior boys play because Logan plays on the junior boys team. Really his first year of basketball. And before we got there, our junior girls won. They beat the other Christian school in town uh, by three points. At the junior boys game, there was like two seconds left. Our boys were basically behind from about the first five minutes of the first quarter throughout the whole game. Less than two seconds left, our boys tied it up. And then they went on to win it. Oh, talk about excitement, right? That Friday, the boys and girls were both playing in all the, the provincials, the senior boys and girls. And uh, in that game, the other team tied it up as the ball was still in the air. crazy excitement all right but all that's going on we're also getting ready for science fair because science fair is going to be the next Tuesday and I'm in charge of the grade sevens and the grade seven and eights and the grade eight portion of the science fair Whew, that's a lot of pressure right so going back from that basketball game where our seniors finally did win provincials won that provincial game um, I didn't realize it, but there was some conflict going on and the little boy who we already got a conference for on Monday because he's been mistreating some of the grade fours has now been mistreated by three of his classmates on the bus. But you know, because I'm 80, I didn't see what was going on. <laughs> so Monday rolls around. I now got I have to have these conferences uh, with this boy who's been maligning the grade fours but now I've got these other three that have been hurting him. And another teacher comes to me and tells me about two more that are hurting him. And I'm going, oh my, science fair, basketball, problems, problems, problems. So Tuesday morning, finally I'm getting to, do, getting to work, you know, and uh, pulled the children out one at a time. It's got to happen in the first hour because right after recess, we were taking all of our science projects down to the gym, setting up, and get through them one at a time, pull them out of the class, talk to them, talk to them, talk to them. Okay. Recess time comes, and I happen at the end of recess to go downstairs to get some water, and the librarian comes to me and says, uh, three of your students, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, did they have permission? Did they have permission to go to the library? No said they came and they said they had permission more problems now I've got get all these kids down to the gym to set up for science fair but I've got three children who've just been lying to the librarian now what am I going to do about that so unfortunately my classroom is at the opposite end of the gym 
So here goes Mr. Krogser, back and forth, back and forth. What am I going to do with these kids? There are things in life, you've got your own challenges, your own circumstances. That's part of mine. I was up to here. How am I going to get all this done? I don't know where the idea came from. Hmm. I bet those three children could go to the library and they could read about what happened to Jesus in the garden and then the things that took place at his trial and they could look for dishonesty on the part of Peter and other people and see what repercussions that has upon people's lives. Thank you, dear Lord, for that idea. (laughs) So all of that worked out. But I'm just trying to say our lives can be very tense, full of pressure, full of difficulty. And if we don't have some self-control, you know what happens to a lot of people? Well, it may be happening to me too. I have an appointment with the heart doctor this coming Friday. Okay? Life's tensions and pressures can take control. So we have to learn how to process, and ultimately, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we have to have some cementedness to God. So let's start with this. If I'm going to have biblical self-control, in our world of Christendom, there's about two different ways that we could probably go. There's one group of people who at the very extreme say, it's all up to God. It's all God's work. And I just kind of go along and God's going to do whatever he needs to do in me and through me and that's okay. No responsibility on my part. I think I came from a fellowship that was probably on this side of the aisle. On this side of the aisle, where most of this depended upon me. That I had to have the right strength, the right understanding, and put it into practice perfectly or as perfectly as I could because it's going to depend upon my ability. And neither of those really work very well. Because over here, I think God still is asking for cooperation. And over here... I'm not even asking God necessarily to be a part of the process. So you can think in your own mind, where have you been? Maybe where are you still? And is there a third alternative that maybe we need to look at? And if we're talking about theology, theology means the study of God. Oh, many times, and I'm not trying to be critical, but many times because of my nature and because of the way I was probably brought up, my theology was more, this is what you do and this is what you don't do. And it wasn't necessarily tied to a relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that other people preached improperly, but that's kind of where I ended up. And that doesn't work very well because where's God in the picture? And I appreciated Brother Weeb's emphasis this morning. Most of his lesson, or this afternoon, most of his lesson was about God. And so even when I thought about self-content, I mean self-control, I didn't even necessarily begin thinking, where does God fit into that? 
But then it slowly began to dawn on me, if my theology is right, then even self-control has to begin with whom? It's got to begin with God. Matter of fact, anything that I hold to in terms of my Christian walk needs to come out of who God is. My values, my virtues, my morals need to be tied to the character and nature of God. So, does the Bible say anywhere that God is self-controlled? Maybe not so clearly, but God had a plan before the creation of the world to send his son to save us because of our own sin. And when we get into chapter 3, Adam and Eve disobey against God, and God didn't wipe them out, did he? Was there some self-control in that? And then you go down to chapter 6, and God's heart is pained so much, it says he was sorry that he had made us because the very thoughts of man were evil continuously. So God does do a cleansing, but he doesn't destroy all of mankind, does he? Because God has a plan. And that plan is to send Jesus. And if he wipes out all of the human beings, suddenly his plan comes to an end as well. And so Noah and his wife, his sons and their wives, continue God's plan. And that genealogy is painted throughout the Old Testament. We come to Moses when he's in the wilderness with the people of Israel. And God has had it up to here again with the people. And he's ready to say, and he says to Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and I'll start all new and I'll do it a different way. And Moses has a conversation with God. And God doesn't do that, does he? And the story of Israel is really our story, isn't it? maybe not so much our personal story but certainly the story of our culture. I mean where is God today in our culture? Is he part of our television reporting? Radio reporting? Does he make the evening news? Does God even exist? According to the television. We come to the book of Judges and over and over again 11 times if I'm correct there's the people of God the rebellion the consequences they suffer their repentance God frees them and they spend a time of relationship with God our God is a God of self-control so if self-control is a part of the fruit of the spirit which it is then it's not simply about me doing it on my own. It has a connectedness to who God is. And if I'm understanding my God and I'm trying to be like my God, that's a starting point for me in terms of having self-control. Let's look at Jesus for a minute. In the book of John, chapter 13, you guys know Start at chapter 13 in the book of John. What's the story? Where's Jesus? Who's he with? Twelve men. It's not too long before his crucifixion. Upper room. Where is he? He's with the disciples at the Last Supper. And 
during that Last Supper, it says that Jesus wrapped a towel around himself. And what does he do? He gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. But what does Jesus know? He knows that just in a few hours, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's going to be abandoned by all of his followers. Those 12 men, those men that he loves, they're going to run away. They're going to be hiding it so they can protect their own skin. So he's abandoned. He knows not too long after that, Peter's going to deny him three times. He knows the humiliation that he's going to go through in the trial. And he knows that he's going to be hung upon a cross. What kind of self-control is that? To take a towel and get down and begin to serve and to teach and to do things for somebody else when you yourself are facing the most horrendous type of execution that existed. Is that not self-control? And there's something really important at the beginning of that chapter. It says... He knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going. If we are tied to God in our theology, then that defines who we are. We understand where we've come from, and we understand where we're going. And I think all of that is part of Jesus being able to say, time to take the towel. It doesn't really matter about all this other stuff that's going to happen. It does matter. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be horrific. And the angels even attend him in the garden because it's that horrific. And yet, he's in submission to the Father's plan. He's in submission to the redemption of us, to the redemption of mankind. I also like Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 is when Jesus begins his march towards Jerusalem in the book of Luke. And immediately after it states that he set his eyes for Jerusalem, he encounters the ten lepers. Heals them, but only one said thanks. Need some self-control when people don't respect you? Don't care? even enough to say thanks for what you did for them, the sacrifice you made of time, energy, abilities. Jesus understands, doesn't he? So now, what about us? Where are we at in the picture of self-control? Are we going to say it's, it's all up to God? I don't have to play a part in it? Are we going to stand over here and think, hey, I've got good pedigree. I've got a good default mode. Yeah, I think I was blessed. I was blessed to be brought up in a home that was stable, that wasn't broken, that had some healthy systems to it. But does that make me full of the fruit of the Spirit? Or is that simply a blessing that I had because of my family? I need more. I need the fruit of the Spirit. I need the self-control that comes from being in a relationship with God. And the verse that is so important to me is John chapter 15, verse 5. Look it up, if you will. John chapter 15, verse 5. 
How are we doing for time there, Randy? I got two minutes. Okay. My conclusion from the study of faith is that faith is a total surrender. It's a submission to God. And I'm not going to submit myself to someone that I don't know, that I don't trust, that I don't have confidence in his love for me. So how can I have the fruit of the Spirit and self-control if I don't have a serious embedded study of who God is and what God is like and what God is about? But John chapter 15, verse 5, is extremely important. Jesus says... I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The question isn't whether I have good pedigree over here. The question isn't whether I grew up with a good family system that allows me to make good choices. If it's of the fruit of the Spirit, then it's got to be of God, right? And it's of the fruit of the Spirit, there's got to be, I believe, this cooperation where I'm not expecting God simply to overwhelm me and take control because he's given us freedom of choice. He's allowed us to be independent beings. But there's got to be this coming together of Bernard with God. And I think that's part of what Jesus is saying. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, what will happen? You will bear fruit. When I look at God and I look at Jesus and I see the way that they are, and I want to honor my God and I want to honor my Jesus, and I understand more and more what they would like for my life and what would come from my life, then I'm able to surrender because I know that Jesus is about my well-being and my being useful in his kingdom. We all know that if you have a plant that's not in the soil where it can get minerals through the water that's absorbed into its root system and the sun is beating down upon that plant, there's not going to be any health as far as the plant. There's something very spiritual here. There's something very spiritual spiritual in terms of me being connected to Jesus in faith, in surrender, in love, that God will help develop in me the characteristics of patience, self-control, faithfulness. Not because I'm so smart, I'm so able, not because I'm simply a puppet that God controls, but because as I walk with Jesus, I'm learning with Jesus, and Jesus is through you, through others in my family, through the study of God's word, through the involvement of his spirit, he's developing us into the people that he wants us to be. I don't know if I've cleared anything up for you. I don't know that I've come to a great profound understanding on my part 
but I want to thank you for studying self-control because it's told me that I need to study it more. Because if it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, I know that this isn't. <laughs> Randy was looking for somebody who could exemplify self-control. He couldn't find anybody. So one of the things you do in teaching is when you can't find an example, you go for a non-example. That's me. I'm the non-example. I was a terrible little hothead, even when I was a missionary apprentice. And my broken bone still remains because I didn't have self-control. Yeah, even played hockey in Australia. The only place I broke a bone. I think for me, the conclusion is, am I going to surrender to Jesus? Am I going to do what he asked me to do, trusting that he knows what's best for me? Or do I have all the answers? Am I making all the decisions? Is it about my plans or is it about his plans? Jesus didn't die for a building. He didn't die for the color of the carpet. Oftentimes the things we have conflicts about. He died for people. And so as we were instructed this morning, this afternoon about loving one another, we also need self-control in knowing how to love in healthy and productive ways. So thanks, brothers and sisters.